1: Welcome to Seniors in Tech, a mini-series where we bust stereotypes by talking to seniors who either worked in the tech industry at the beginning of the digital era or are currently tech-fluent in their everyday lives. I'm Dr. Nikki Ackermans, and this week we're talking to Allison Sheridan, who used to work in engineering and is also one of the earliest podcasters. Yeah, give us your, your senior cred, as you were just saying.
0: <laughs> well, I'm a, uh, a podcaster in the technology space, and, uh, but in my senior cred is that I'm 63 years old and I have three and a half grandchildren, one on the way. So uh, I hope that makes me old enough for the show.
1: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and so the idea is just to figure out, you know, what's it like to be a senior in tech? You actually used to work in like very, very high tech stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Sure. I have a uh, master's in mechanical engineering, and I did uh, honest work as an engineer for the first 11 years. But then they brought in the first computer-aided design system, and they needed somebody to try it out before that. We were on drafting boards back in my day, and uh, so they needed somebody to try it out, and they picked me, and I started playing with it and learning how to use it, and I discovered that I enjoyed making the computer sing, making it do what I wanted it to do more than I enjoyed what I was actually designing and the design process. Mm. And the way I like to describe it is I felt like I went from being a piano player to being a pianist. You know, I was a piano player as a mechanical engineer, but man, making that computer sing, I could just do it. You know, it 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 flowed out of me; it was wonderful. So I ended up going to the computer-aided design space for a while, and then I ran a large engineering computing organization where I was surrounded by much smarter people than me in in uh, system admins. And then I eventually became an IT fellow, which was the highest technical position in the company you could be. As an IT person, this was in a sixty thousand person defense contractor.
1: And approximately what like decade was it when the computer came in? Nineteen eighty nine. Okay. Was,
0: well, that's when I com- that's when I completely switched over. So it might have been a couple of years before that. So the eighties. Yeah.
1: Okay. What were you doing as an IT fellow? I ended up
0: working social media, which at the time I thought was really dopey. I mean, I believed in social media and everything, but the it was work very I had very early doing... social
1: media, right? It's not like it was like Facebook. Um,
0: yeah, well, you know, that stuff was around. So this that was only for like the last uh, maybe five years of my career that mm-hmm. I was uh, retired eight years ago, so okay. 13 years ago. So social media was a thing, but introducing social media inside of a stodgy old defense contractor was <laughs> where I was trying to get people to realize that you could use social media to improve productivity in the company. And my pitch was always, you know, if you're working on some weird little problem, if you're in a 60,000 person company, somebody else has already solved that. If yeah. you just had some way of finding them, you could get something done. And being old helped me because the young advisors would go and go, Oh my God, it's going to be like Facebook. It's going to be awesome. And the, you know, old fart white male en- you know, engineering managers would run screaming from the room and I would walk in and say, no, no, it's, it's, it's got a little bit of Facebooky kind of stuff, but it's more like the LinkedIn, but maybe not quite as boring, you know? Yeah. So I, I could pitch it as an old fart. And that really, um, I think that helped me be effective in getting, uh, social media working inside the company to get people talking to each other.
1: Did you ever get people that were kind of taken aback that you were at the head of all of this tech stuff as an older woman?
0: Uh, yeah, I think my favorite story was uh, Microsoft came in one time and they were uh, doing a big pitch to all of IT. And so there were two people in the room that were as high a level as me Me and another guy were mm-hmm. IT fellows. And this, this guy's given this pitch and he used some big old acronym. And one of the things I like to do is I like to make people really explain themselves. Even if I know what they're talking about, sometimes I do it. Just the majority will know what the person's talking yeah. about. So I raised my hand. And I said, what is, you know, what is that acronym? And the guy explained it. And then just like two minutes later, he did it again. he did some acronym that I didn't know. And so I raised my hand. I said, would you explain that? And he looked at the audience. I, I, I'll never forget this. He looks at the audience and he says, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to ask ahead of time. Are the, how many people in this room are actually technical? And of course my <gasps> hand complexity. went all the way up. And, Oh, yeah. A hundred percent of the people in the room knew who I was and knew what my level was. And mm-hmm. this jerk does this. And it did not end well for him. Good. I think he's I think he survived. I think he's alive. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we had we had a chit chat afterwards that wasn't pleasant for him.
1: What he gets for just assuming. I mean, you probably happens even outside of work that people assume that. Older people don't know how to use tech and you probably know how to use it better than most people, you know, actually, probably better
0: than me. (laughs) One of my big pet peeves is, is the phrase, it's so easy. Your mother could do it. (laughs) And uh, I I, I started using that as part of my mantra in it, because it's like, what is it about having born children that makes somebody stupid? You know, what, (laughs) where did you guys even come up with a phrase like that? And I remember one time I overheard a woman in the gym say it and, and I, I, I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know this woman. I had to go ask her. I said, why would you say something like that? As a woman, why would you say it? And she said something really interesting. She said, because my mother will at least try. My father won't even try.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And
0: I thought, whoa, I wonder if that's actually part of the genesis is that that mom's at least given it or mom or grandma or whatever is given it a shot. And grandpa's like, no. I don't do things that way. I don't know. I'm, I'm completely generalizing and making it worse in the other direction. But I've always wondered whether that's why people think old women can't do things because they're trying to do things. It's an
1: interesting thing. And maybe they don't insight, do it as well actually. as you do.
0: <laughs> Scientific so, evidence, one single data point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after you retired, you actually didn't stop doing tech at all. You decided to keep doing more tech and learn newer and harder tech. And you decided to learn how to program?
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of my goals uh when I retired was to learn to program. And I mentioned there was another gentleman who was an IT fellow that I hated this guy. He's like fifteen years younger than me. And so Mm -hmm. he reached that career position like 20 years faster than I did. And uh and he's really smart and he's really nice too. So, you know, you just hate that kind of person. But I told (laughs) him, I said, Hey, I want you to teach me to program, and he handed me a book. Well, I'm not going to read a book. I wanted you to spoon feed me. And yeah. he's like, Yeah, not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mentioned it to my friend Bart, who uh, Bart Bouchotts is a uh, uh, guy who, who lives in Ireland, but he's the co host of, well, he does a lot of hosting stuff with, with my podcast. And he said, Well, I'll teach you to program. We'll, we'll make it a series, a podcast series, and we'll call it Programming by Stealth. I'm going to sneak up on you on teaching you to program. So he started by teaching us HTML and then CSS. And then we did all of JavaScript. We've now gone and learned, uh, the Git version, uh, versioning control system. And we're about to launch into learning PHP. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a crazy format that I don't think anybody else has ever done. It's an audio podcast, but it's got tutorial show notes. So he's stepping through ah. a tutorial where you see every command. So you kind of get, you can read just the show notes if you just want to read. But you can hear him explain it and then you can hear me stop him going, wait, wait, wait. No, no, I don't understand. Wait, what, what did you just say? And he swears I'm a critical part of it because I'm that annoying student in the front row who keeps raising their hand going, I don't understand. You know, explain <laughs> that to me. But it makes him stop and have to say it more clearly. And he likes yeah. that for some Well,
1: reasons. It's such a smart way of doing it because not only are you teaching this to yourself and your friend is teaching it to you. But you get to share it with everyone else. And I'm sure that everyone in the audience is, is, you know, kind of associating with you and being like, wait, what did he say? What is this programming thing? That's great. I'm sure you're helping out so many people. And I wonder if you hear from your audience if they are mostly older people or, or anyone. Um, you know,
0: it's kind of funny. The, the people who write to me the most are people who already know how to program. Mm-hmm. But like they're a C programmer and they wanted to learn JavaScript or okay. they kind of know JavaScript, but they want to know it better. And so they're all way ahead of me because the, the previous my previous programming was I learned basic in my freshman year in college. In my junior year in college, I took Fortran 4 with Watt 5. If anybody's old enough to be listening to know what that was. That's mm-hmm. the last time I, I programmed. So sure. I did, I've i got, you know, 40 years in between or 35 years in between where I didn't do any programming.
1: Yeah, things have changed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't actually know the age of the people. I, that's something okay. I don't ever really ask. I don't think a lot about age.
1: Yeah. It just did not seem that, why, yeah, the, wh- that big of you? a deal didn't it? <laughs> and so yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was really interesting. You noted that one of the reasons that you wanted to learn programming is specifically because it was really hard and challenging because... It would be a way to sort of keep your brain engaged.
0: Yeah. I have had a woman on my show several times, the NoCellicast, my main show, named uh, Dr. Marianne Gary. She's a professor out of the University of Waikato out in uh, New Zealand. Mm. And uh, she studies memory. And she gave me a bunch of books to read because, well, she's always doing that. She makes me read. Um, But uh, books about Alzheimer's and things you can do to try to stave it off. And I'm sure you've heard the thing like, oh, do Sudoku and you will never have Alzheimer's. (laughs) That's not true. But there has been uh, research that seems to indicate that if you do things that are really, really hard, and master them, then it's been correlated with uh, the delay of uh, brain uh, brain disease in in uh, Alzheimer's. And my family's riddled with Alzheimer's. I mean, all over the place. So I live in fear of that. So when I'm sitting there working on a JavaScript problem, and I'm just banging my head against a table, and I want to give up. I lift it back up, and I hear Dr. Gary's voice saying, "No, it's supposed to be hard. If it was easy, this wouldn't be helping." That's
1: so that's kind of why I started that. it. That's, yeah, uh... yeah. A head, a non And so but what you I then realize is
0: how fun it would be. Yeah, really? Yeah, so I just, enjoyed, I, I mean, it. apart
1: the head banging on the table, the rest of it is right. fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, the learning part is hard, but I just, I love programming. I can just lose hours and hours and hours and hours. I, I, I have to like bracket it and say, you're only allowed to code this many hours a week because I'll just, <gasps> I, I won't get my podcast done. I won't get anything done. I won't walk the dog.
1: <laughs> Speaking about your podcast you you've been a podcaster since the beginning. You're like an o g podcaster. What are your podcasts, and then how's that been like over time?
0: That's been so much fun. So podcasting was invented in October of two thousand four, and I started the No Cast in May of two thousand and five. So that's however many years. What is that? thirteen years? I no, guess so fifty i'm i'm i i one thing I should admit I am really bad at addition and subtraction.
1: I'm terrible at math, too, so we're not going to help each no, other. Two years
0: of calculus, <laughs> I'm fine, but don't, don't ask me to, uh, yeah, we should be able to do this. 2005, 15, 16 years, that's what it was. Yeah, years. that
1: sounds right. <laughs>
0: uh, it, it's a real funny, well, there's a whole story about why I'm bad at arithmetic. But I started the no silica back then, and it was just me in front of a microphone. And somewhere along the line, I got the idea to do a live show. And my live mm-hmm. show is not like other live shows. It's a show watching me create the recorded show. So it's yeah. not a long professional thing. You hear me screw up, go back, you know, edit pieces out. I stop and I chat with the audience. And doing that made it into a community. There is yeah. a group of people who get together every Sunday night at five o'clock and they they listen to the, the creation and they talk to each other and they can watch me and my husband on video. He does the production of the video show. And uh and it, it just it's not like it's got a huge audience, but it's got a really enthusiastic group. And I feel like I'm talking to people, not to a microphone.
1: I'm talking yeah. to people because there's people actually there. That's an important part of it, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. So that's the No Silicast, And that's a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. In other words, a giant Apple bias. But I talk about all <laughs> kinds of tech stuff. And then uh, Chit Chat Across the Pond Light was a spinoff show. It was it was me talking to Bart Shots within the big show, but it got too long and too involved. And so I spun it off as a separate show. Uh, But that actually bifurcated. And that's where uh, Programming by Stealth came from. Right. Because that's now standalone. And then the light shows. I just interview people who are interesting, usually in tech. uh, But like Dr. Gary, has been on a bunch of times and that's Mm -hmm. not tech related at all. But she's a fan favorite. People love love hearing from her. (laughs) Yeah. Tom Merritt has been on the show before. And so is
1: Sarah Lane. Earlier in your career, you started with kind of early tech. Do you think Having started that helps you keep up with tech today. Are you up to date? Would you say you're up to date with tech today as well?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm super up to date with tech. Uh, I really enjoy being on the front edge and, and buy, especially buying the new toys, but knowing okay. everything about how the tools work. And one of the ways I stay ahead of that is I work for Don McAllister Screencast Online, which is a paid for tutorial service. Mm-hmm. And I create video tutorials. And you know, they always say the best way to learn is to teach. And it's absolutely true.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So I'll have to go through and know what every single menu does, what every single button does and have to learn it uh, well enough to teach it. And that really helps me uh, stay ahead of the game on that. I got my first Mac. Uh, my it was actually my husband Steve's idea. He thought it was a good idea. I thought it was kind of silly, but <laughs> sounded like fun. It was a uh, in 1984. It was the second Mac ever created. So not the 128K Mac, but the 512K Mac.
1: Oh wow! So that was before the color ones, right? That was my first one.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing I am not is a tech visionary. Um, uh-huh. One of my most famous statements was, "Why would you ever need color on a computer?" <laughs> Um, well, I also said, know, why would you need a bigger screen than the 512K iMac? What would you do with a bigger screen? I'm now sitting in to. front of a 32-inch
1: screen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't be colored. great at everything. You, you're you already pretty good at, at just, you know, informing people about tech and staying up to date. So you can't predict it as well. That'd be too many powers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. And I think you've pinpointed it there. What I've truly love I think I think if you had to boil me down to one word mm. is I'm a teacher, so I want to teach you how to use tech. If you even said anything close to something wrong with your audio, I would jump in and want to help you fix it. I would want to teach you how to use the tools to make it work better um, and and doing the tutorials and doing the podcast that's my outlet to uh, to be able to teach I think
1: I love that. And that comes back to, you know, it's so easy. Your mother could do it well, it's so easy. Then I'm going to show you how to do it. And it doesn't matter if I'm a mother or not. Uh.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I, I do. I am intrigued by your questions about age and, and uh, age of the audience. One thing I have noticed is that I do have a fair number of uh, older people in my audience and a lot more women than most podcasters. Hmm. And it never occurred to me that just because I'm a woman doing the show, more women would flock to it. Yeah. But it's absolutely true. I know my numbers are higher than other, other podcasters who are you yeah, know, all male.
1: A lot of podcasts are hosted by men. And it's kind I mean, for me personally, um, it's just exhausting. <laughs> Sometimes I want to listen to a woman <laughs> explain stuff to me, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I ask about age because I usually on my normal podcast, I interview older people just about their life. So,
0: yeah, I don't actually keep demographics. I've got certain ways of finding out how old, uh, not how old, but uh, gender I've can somewhat guess from some stuff, but uh, yeah. it's, um, I don't know, it's fun. It's yeah. really fun. Tech is super is fun. fun. <laughs> so one of the things I've tried to really fold into my podcast is accessibility. And it's, you know, it's a mainstream show. It's not a show about accessibility, but I like to fold it in because it affects uh, it's so many people. And in fact, as yeah. my, my uh, differently abled friends like to say, you're currently abled we're all, you yeah. know, if you're lucky, if you're, if you live long enough, you won't be. And exactly. so there's going to be something you can't do and you're going to need help with. And um I got into blind accessibility in, in particular. That's kind of my majority focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother was uh, legally blind, uh, with macular degeneration. I have dry macular degeneration myself, knock on wood, it stays dry. So I uh, yep. don't go blind, but I have always been interested in blind accessibility since I was a little kid. I read a book called Follow My Leader that was about a little boy who was blinded from fireworks. And oh. it's the story of how he goes through denial and he ends up learning. He goes to the Braille school. He learns Braille. He gets a guide dog, this whole story. But when they got to the Braille part, they had a picture of what the Braille alphabet looked like. And I was so intrigued that I got a piece of cardboard and a punch from the shop and I made myself a little Braille display so that I could learn the alphabet. And I taught myself this secret code oh. from the book. And so I think that's kind of where it started. That was my first accessible tool. So now what I do, I taught myself uh, voiceover on the Mac and on the iPhone. And I actually did a, a presentation at uh, Macworld. They had tech talks at Macworld. And I did one called Blindfolded where I did my entire presentation blindfolded.
1: um uh,
0: Yeah, it was uh, terrifying. That was the (laughs) scariest, hardest thing I've ever done. I I did really well on the iPhone. The iPhone's super easy. It's really, really easy to use and you can't get messed up. But I actually ended up having to take the blindfold off briefly during the uh, Mac part, uh, which was unfortunate. But anyway, once I learned that, now what I can do is if I get an app, I can check and see if it's accessible.
1: And I can't tell
0: you if it's really accessible, but I can tell you if it's not The basics, yeah, yeah. If the buttons are all called button, yeah, no, you're out. Mm -hmm. You know, or or everything's graphics and they aren't elements that you can inspect and and things. So I just kind of roll that in. It's just and you know, by the way, if you're blind, it looks like it's pretty good. I need some people to test it, and I and I've started writing to the developers and saying, hey, you know, you're so close. If you just put this piece in, you know, you could you could up your game. And uh, and I've ended up with a big blind community because, first of all, podcasting, awesome yeah, for the blind, right? Audio exactly. podcast, no brainer. Um, but they've kind of collected around me because I do talk about it. And then they help me where I'll say, hey, this seems like it's partially accessible. Can you test it for me and see if it really is? So I'm, I, I'm truthful to the audience if I tell them it is. Yeah, and that's, that's really been fun. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and I bet really the, the feedback from that is, is probably great because who else is doing that who's not already yeah. blind?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Because you don't usually think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that folded into, uh, Bart was inspired by that when in programming by stealth is he made sure that as we're learning to code for the web, we are learning to code in an accessible way. Instead of saying, "Okay, now here's a chapter on accessibility," it's like, "Okay, you're putting in a button. Here's how you label the button so that the screen okay. reader reads it. Or here's something maybe you want only the screen reader to read because it's a graphic that the person who could see doesn't need to hear. Yeah, or doesn't you know doesn't need to see text on screen. Need that to hear kind of the
1: thing. code. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah, the exactly. Picture or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So
0: it's uh, that's been a really fun angle, and and it just kind of weaves into everything I do on the podcast."
1: Awesome. All right. Well, that's about wraps it up. Come back next week for the next edition of Seniors in Tech. You can find Allison and all of her podcasts over at podfeet.com. And you can find me hosting my own senior interview podcast over at Stories Your Granny Never Told. Next week, we'll talk to Michael Musial, who worked in the high-tech industry since the late 70s.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts?